This podcast brought to you by Gowan Canada, makers of Edge Microactive Pre-Emergent Herbicide. The heartbeat of Saskatchewan is agriculture. 620 CKRM is proud to be your voice for everything ag. Welcome to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with your host, Jim Smalley. And a good afternoon. Welcome to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. Brought to you by the Arcola Co-op. You're at home here on Highway 13 in Arcola. And the UFA Cooperative. This is Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with 620 CKRM Agri-News Director Jim Smalley. Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by Johnston's Grain, your first and last stop for grain pricing and crop protection. Grain markets were on the rebound this week. PI Financial Commodity Futures Advisor Ken Ball says canola and wheat have been on the rise this week. Well, we've seen a lot of things moving around this week and quite abruptly, in fact. Canola got a, a good burst of short covering and profit taking by shorts. And shorts have got some pretty big uh, big profits on the table. So we saw a good burst of profit taking canola that triggered quite a little rally. And uh, in wheat, we saw quite a sharp rally today, and it, it's not so much profiting there, but it looks like somebody is coming in and delivery trying to see if they can generate some action. In, in neither case do we have any really fresh news around. Situations haven't really changed from this week over past weeks. There's not too much happening at the moment. But it looks like there's some money that's starting to move around. In some cases, it's moving out of some markets, and it might, might be swinging around and moving into other markets. So there, there's, there's a few things starting to happen for sure. So in round numbers, in rough numbers, how much did wheat go up futures out of Minneapolis, spring wheat, and canola futures? How much did they go up? Well, initially Minneapolis wheat went down early in the week, and it just kicked up about 20, 25 cents here this morning. So it really hasn't gone up a lot. It's just a rebound kind of a rally after a bit of a sharp decline here uh, you know, during the months of uh, February into mid-March. Canola went up from its lows. It jumped up here about Forty-five, fifty dollars uh, overall, which is quite a bit in just a couple of days. It's hitting a little bit of selling today, but it's getting a little backup from the soybean oil. Actually, the canola rally interestingly got triggered by a break lower in soybean oil, which sounds unusual. Uh, but there's heavy, heavy spreading between soy markets and canola, and when the soybean oil broke lower, the spreaders had to start selling their their longs in in uh, soybean oil and buying their shorts in canola because that's how they were spread so that that actually was partly what triggered the rally in canola so what is the war between russia and ukraine what impact is that having on the markets this week well not much but it's always in the background it's always a source of tension and uncertainty over the last considerable amount of time initially of course we had some huge reactions because the market was concerned if Russia overran Ukraine completely that that would lose a you know a huge amount of production temporarily in the marketplace. We have lost some output out of the Ukraine, but it's been made up for uh, in other areas of the world, so it hasn't had a huge impact. But it is still underpinning the markets just because it's always lurking in the background, keeping traders a little bit nervous, a little bit edgy, and uh, still giving some support to the markets, even though fundamentally supplies in most markets right now look comfortable. They don't necessarily look ample or surplus, but there's no one market out there right now where there's a tremendous tight shortage brewing, at least not yet. But of course, we're going into spring and then we'll have a whole bunch of new weather circumstances to deal with here in North America. Ken Ball is a market advisor with PI Financial in Winnipeg. Back to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with Jim Smalley on 620 CKRM. The executive director of the Swine Health Information Center says the latest outbreak of African swine fever shows the need to remain vigilant in North America. 
The Swine Health Information Center's March Global Swine Disease Surveillance Report indicates the first outbreak of African swine fever has been reported in Singapore, making it the 17th nation in Asia to be affected since the first confirmation of swine fever in China in 2018. The eighth case of swine fever in domestic pigs was found in Brandenburg, Germany. Dr. Paul Sundberg has the latest. Well, African swine fever continues to circulate in Eastern Europe, especially in um, their wild boar population. It's certainly a lesson that we have to learn as we look forward to our prevention, our preparedness, and our response. Um, hopefully we can prevent it, but if we can't, uh, we have to learn lessons from Eastern Europe and from Southeast Asia. Um, there is a new outbreak in eastern Germany in domestic pigs. It's a small holding. I think there are only 11 pigs on the farm, but it's a small holding that possibly had contact with feral pigs. And they're still doing the epidemiology and the outbreak investigation on that. But it's an example of the ability for this virus to be um, harbored in the wild pig population and uh, for its spillover into domestic pigs. Um, ASF is a disease of pigs. It's not a food safety issue, but it can be transmitted if a pig comes into contact with uh, another pig's carcass that died from ASF, and that's what happens in, in the wild uh, or feral pig population. Or if um, it comes into contact with a food product that was prepared from a pig that had died from ASF. So um, ASF is still moving around Eastern Europe. It is um, also in in the Southeast Asia. Um, there's been develop, further developments and testing of vaccines in Vietnam, which have been promising. Um, but we're looking at ASF as a continual pressure on the borders of North America, and we certainly have to do everything we can do to prevent it and be prepared for that. Sunberg explains how the outbreak in Singapore changes the overall situation. That's an example of the continued ongoing spread and continued pressure of this virus epidemiologically. It's in a variety of different countries in Southeast Asia, and that continues to move. It is a, it's a virus that moves with deliberate motion. It doesn't move fast, but it moves deliberately and it continues to do such. Introduction of the virus into countries like Singapore, like into the Philippines, um, uh, like into other countries in Southeast Asia demonstrate the importance of closing windows of, of movement of that virus. Probably not from movement of infected pigs, but most probably from movement of infected products. If a pork product, which isn't a food safety issue for people, if a sandwich is made from the meat of a pig that has been infected with ASF, if another pig gets in contact with that, then that contact pig can be infected with it. So that's probably the way that it moves between countries, unless you have borders with other countries that have wild pigs that don't uh, respect international borders, of course. Dr. Sunberg notes there's been some vaccine development progress to report. 
there still is testing going on, commercial testing of going on a vaccine in uh, Vietnam. And the reports that I've gotten from that is that they have been um, uh, successful in that they've shown to be safe, they've shown to be effective and helpful in decreasing the spread of ASF. So those are good things. There was some question about the ASF vaccine initially uh, and about its safety, but I think the Vietnamese um, Department of Animal Agriculture, Department of Animal Health, uh, answered those, and those tests continue to happen in, in Vietnam. It is not without restriction, however. Um, that virus that is being tested in Vietnam would be very challenging to produce in uh, volume enough to be able to use it outside of regional use in Vietnam. It's difficult to propagate the virus. This um, vaccine uses uh, pig white blood cells to uh, propagate the virus, and that means there's limitation on its production, and therefore it's got limits in its uh, volume of production as well as its um, outcomes when you vaccinate pigs. One of the things about this virus is that it's not able to be differentiated antibody-wise in the pig that's either been vaccinated or been infected with ASF, um, there's no difference in the antibodies. You can't tell the difference in the antibodies. So that's an important technical piece that has to be solved as well. So things are still moving with vaccine production, vaccine trials, and um, and and vaccine research. It's still a long road, though, and we don't have the satisfactory end of that uh, tunnel yet that we can get to to say we've got a safe, effective, and and uh, uh, responsible vaccine that we can deploy worldwide. Dr. Sunberg says the outbreak remains in places like Haiti and the Dominican Republic, and it could take some time to eradicate the disease in that part of the world. So efforts must be made, he says, to ensure there's no spread of the disease from the region. Dr. Paul Sunberg is the executive director of the Swine Health Information Center. You're listening to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with 620 CKRM Agri-News Director Jim Smalley. We have a new farm feature, AgriView, with Doug Falconer of GX94, brought to you by Karst Holdings in Assiniboia and Schlamps Integra Tire in Grenfell, your locally owned Integra Tire dealers. The British Columbia government says it is permanently doubling the number of subsidized seats for people who want to train to become veterinarians and practice in the province. Education Minister Selena Robinson says the government will provide $21.8 million over three years to subsidize students who want to train to be vets at the Western College of Veterinary Medicine in Saskatoon. BC has been funding 20 seats at the university, but Robinson says the new money will allow for 40 students from the province to meet the growing demand for veterinarians especially among farmers and ranchers in the Fraser Valley and northern B.C. The college has been training B.C.'s veterinarians for five decades, and Robinson says the multi-year funding boost will give students certainty while addressing the need to train and retain vets in communities essential to B.C.'s food security. The Canadian Food Inspection Agency is now seeking comment on its proposed amendments to livestock identification and traceability regulations. 
The regulatory proposal would address what the agency calls gaps in the current system, including adding goats and cervids as animal species that share diseases with other regulated livestock and therefore subject to traceability requirements. Shortening the time period allowed to report an event to better support an efficient response to disease outbreaks. Adding a requirement to provide information about the geographical location of sites where animals are located. And requiring the reporting of domestic movements of livestock. The CFIA is asking producers who own sheep, goats, pigs, cattle, bison or farmed cervids or are involved with livestock production or handling to share their feedback during the consultation period, which opened Saturday and runs to June 16th. The size of the fund short position in continued to rise in early March, according to the latest commitments of traders data out from the U.S. Commodity Futures Trading Commission. As of March 7th, the net managed money short position in Canola came in at 46,222 contracts, an increase of about 3,000 contracts from the previous week and the largest net short position in three years. The Commission is still catching up with its reports after technical issues delayed results for most of February. Open interest in the canola market came in at 288,738 contracts on March 7th, but has since climbed to over 311,000 as of March 17th, according to ICE Futures data. The increase in open interest as futures prices trended lower implies the fund traders continued to add to their short positions. Insurers continue to cover grain shipments from Ukraine through a United Nations-backed corridor, although more clarity will be required soon after the export accord was renewed for at least 60 days. The deal allowing the safe wartime export of Ukrainian grain from its Black Sea ports, initially brokered last July by Turkey and the UN, was renewed on Saturday for just half the intended period. Insurance for ships going into the three Ukrainian ports covered by the agreement has been vital, and the war cover policies need to be renewed every seven days. The shorter renewal term has raised concerns over forward shipments beyond the 60-day period. The U.S. has pushed back on Russian demands that Western sanctions be eased before Russia allows Ukrainian Black Sea grain exports beyond mid-May, saying there were no restrictions on Russian agricultural products or fertilizer. Efforts by the Brazilian government to lift a month-long ban on beef exports to China paid off yesterday, as Beijing agreed to resume imports while also approving four new beef packers based in Brazil. Sales of Brazilian beef to China were voluntarily halted by Brazilian authorities on February 23rd, following the discovery of an atypical case of BSE. Now a total of 41 Brazilian beef plants are authorized to sell to China. Beef producers in Brazil were losing up to $25 million U.S. per day with the embargo in place. Some 62% of Brazil's beef exports went to China last year. And that's today's Ag Review. I'm Doug Falconer. It's your agri-weather forecast on the voice of Saskatchewan, 620 CKRM.
The official 620 CKRM farm weather is brought to you by Shepherd Realty in Regina, specializing in farm and ranch real estate in Saskatchewan. Call Harry, Justin, or Devin at 352-1866. And Moose Jaw Truck Shop, the number one choice for any diesel engine repair. Drop in, no appointment necessary, or visit moosejawtruckshop.com. Mainly sunny today, some fog patches that are still around will dissipate this afternoon. Wind north 20. The high minus 3 today with a low minus 14. Tomorrow mainly cloudy. 30% chance of flurries Saturday. Winds up to 15 kilometers per hour. The high tomorrow minus 5. The low minus 16. Sunday cloudy with a high minus 6. The low minus 24. Monday sunny. The high minus 12. The low minus 25. Tuesday sunny. The high minus 11. The low minus 15. Wednesday sunny with a high minus 7. The low minus 14. Thursday, partly cloudy with a high of minus 3. Normal high is plus 4 this date. The normal low, minus 9. The sun rose at 6.53 this morning. It sets at 7.16 tonight. And currently, the hot spot right now in the province is Maple Creek at plus 3. The cold spot further north, Stony Rapids at minus 16. Estevan is minus 4, Saskatoon minus 5, Swift Current minus 3, Weyburn minus 9, Yorkton is minus 8. Sunny in Regina minus 7, that's 19 Fahrenheit, Windsor from the northwest at 20. Humidity is 79%, thermometer rising 101.2. Light snow in Moose Jaw minus 8, Windsor from the northwest at 21. Once again, Regina, sunny in minus 7, that's 19 Fahrenheit. Back in a moment. This spring, apply pre-emergent Edge Microactive Group 3 herbicide from Gowan Canada before seeding your canola, peas, or lentils. Maximize yield today and manage resistance tomorrow. Always read and follow label directions from Gowan Canada. You're tuned to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today on the Voice of Saskatchewan, 620 CKRM. This portion of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by McDougal Auctioneers. Get fair market value for your assets with an online auction through McDougal Auctioneers. McDougalAuctions.com And brought to you by Patterson Liquid Systems. Experts in liquid fertilizer distribution. Fertilizer's just better when it's wetter. Patterson Liquid Systems expect the best. Technology plays a major role on Canadian dairy farms. On the Ask a Farmer podcast, host Clinton Monchuk from Farm and Food Care Saskatchewan speaks to Ontario dairy producer Andrew Campbell, who's known on Twitter as Fresh Air Farmer. So I grew up on a dairy farm and we had a brand new barn built in 1983. So 1983 was our brand new barn, new technology for the time. And then looking at the technology now, it is flabbergasting just to see how much things have changed. Could you tell our listeners a little bit about some of those technological advancements and some of the innovation in the dairy industry that leads us to more of a sustainable dairy product here in this country? If I even go back a little further back past your 83 new barn, my grandpa, when he started milking cows, milked them by hand. Today, robots milk our cows. So he comes in, makes a cup of coffee, sits at the computer and watches cows decide when they want to get milked, go in, and a robot will milk that cow. We'll clean the udder, we'll milk the cow, we'll pump that milk to be cooled and then stored in a tank. That's a major innovation, obviously, for both cow comfort as well as farmer comfort, so where you're not nearly as working nearly as physically 
on actually doing that job. We also have in this new barn a pile of sensors everywhere. Things like, as I look out over the barn right now in the daytime, there's a light sensor. That light sensor decides when the lights come on and off. They're not just on all day. When it's bright out like it is right now, the lights are just naturally off. We have weather stations to determine what the temperature of the barn should be and controllers that then open the barn up, close it up, depending on what the weather's like. And then obviously, even just in keeping that melt cold, our sensors to be able to make sure it's always at a refrigerated temperature, it's always stirred, it's been filtered ahead of time. There's just so much innovation that's come along from when my grandpa started to when your family built their new barn and now to 2023 where we are today. I think sometimes we glorify a little bit of the past and my dad's knees are completely shot as a result of bending down to milk cows for all those years. And my back was sure sore as a teenager growing up and well into my 20s milking cows. How has that changed a little bit, just the labor on your farm as well to to milk cows? As you mentioned, the knees and hips, even mine still get sore for how many times I had to do it, where you took a milker to a cow, you bent down because the udder is not in a convenient place for milking. So you had to bend down, put the milker on, and then stand up. And then when she was done, you had to bend down again and take that off. And you had to do that. For us, we had to do it 65 times twice a day. So we would be up and down hundreds of times every day. Whereas now, we're still going through the barn, but now we're walking through that barn. Maybe we're doing a little more scraping, sweeping, cleaning, just to make sure that the cows are comfortable in their stall and through all their alleyways. We're working on the robot. We're washing it. We're cleaning it. We're calibrating it, making sure it does it. It's still hours to do it, but it's not that up and down, need muscles to carry the milkers. It's jobs that my kids are eight and 10. A lot of the jobs they can now do and are actually excited to come out. Well, even not a hundred percent of the time, but a lot of times are excited to be able to come out, pet their favorite cows while they go around and keep the barn tidy. The preceding excerpt comes from the Ask a Farmer podcast produced by Canadian Food Focus. You can listen to the, to the entire podcast available on your favorite podcast provider. You're listening to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with 620 CKRM Agri-News Director Jim Smalley. This segment is brought to you by Degelman Industries. Look to Degelman for the most reliable, dependable, engineered, tough equipment on the market. And Arcola Building Supplies, small town lumberyard, big on service. ArcolaBuildingSupplies.com Saskatchewan feeder cattle prices were moving upward in the province during the past week. Jace Fossen with the Saskatchewan Livestock Branch says prices are moving upward due to good demand and lower supplies. Saskatchewan feeder cattle prices continued to be strong with all weight categories seeing an increase compared to the previous week. Saskatchewan feeder steer prices were higher compared to the previous week amongst all weight categories reported on March 17th. Prices ranged from 354.83 per hundred weight for the 3 to 400 pound steers to 237.80 per hundred weight for the 900 plus pound steers. The largest price gain for feeder steers was seen in the four to 500 pound category, up an average of $10 per hundredweight. The smallest price increase was seen in the 900 plus pound category, increasing an average of $1.80 per hundredweight. The average weekly prices for Saskatchewan's feeder heifers were also higher across all weight categories for the week of March 17th. 
Prices ranged from 314.63 per hundred weight for the three to four weight heifers to 228.44 for the 800 plus pound heifers. Jace Fawson is with the Livestock Branch of the Ministry of Agriculture. Here's the market updates with Jim Smalley on 620 CKRM. Market update brought to you by Freeze Tallman Lumber. Since 1956, Freeze Tallman has been your trusted building material supplier for every type of project. Freeze Tallman in Regina and Fort Capel. And also brought to you by Sask Pork. Grain prices at Viterra were showing upward movement in early trading. Canola rose 1040 at 741.02. One red spring wheat gained 709 at 394.50. The rest were all unchanged. Durham 458.38. Feed barley 362.58. Chickpeas 1058.22. Flax 526.98. Lentils 768.50. Oats 215.32. Yellow peas 416.95. And feed wheat 289.56. This is the Livestock Reports on the Voice of Saskatchewan, 620 CKRM. The Livestock Quotes brought to you by the Weyburn Livestock Exchange. Call Weyburn, 842-4574. Now, the latest quotes. This is Grant Barnett with the Market Report. Heartland Livestock here in Moose Child, 1,683 on offer at our Tuesday pre-sort. 783-pound tan heifers bring 247.75. That's $1,939 a piece. That looks like what it's going to cost to breed them this spring. 39 little tan and white heifers, 870, 230, 275, 144 red and black heifers, 454 at 309. Another 46 black heifers, 521. They bring 294 and 75. Into the steers, 64 red and black steers, 588 at 317. Another 30 red and black steers, 454 at 343 and 50. A 34 red and black steers, 708 at 295 and 50. Cow market was strong here, much the same as it was the week before. These top end grain fed cows, there's quite a difference between them and the hay fed cows. They're 138 to 144. We did sell a great big 1800 pound white cow from Jordan Farms of Avonlea at 2646 bucks. Hay fed cows, 125 to 35. The big strong bulls are selling like wildfire. Raymond Wild had his big. 2,635-pound bull out of Silton. He brings 4,123 Canadian dollars. This has been Grant Barnett reporting. Let's have a great afternoon. And the latest pork prices, 195.75 per CKG. Coming up, the Resource Report. This is the Saskatchewan Resource Report on 620 CKRM. Here's Jim Smalley. Now the Resource Report, brought to you by Farm Fresh Water. They'll make your well water wonderful and your dugout drinkable. Get your Farm Fresh Water today at farmfreshwater.ca. And Mazenk Fuels, your local branded Petro-Canada wholesaler for over 40 years. Fill up the tank, call Mazenk, 306-721-6667. The Saskatchewan Mining Association says this week's provincial budget has good news for attracting more investment in mineral exploration in Saskatchewan. The province says $4 million will be used to expand the targeted mineral exploration tax credit, driving investment in the exploration and mining of critical minerals. The Mining Association says mineral exploration is key for increased growth in mineral production. The announcement will build on this province's strength as a growing global critical minerals hub. 
Mineral exploration investment in Saskatchewan averages over $230 million a year, with a significantly amount of exploration dollars spent in this province staying in Saskatchewan. Northern Saskatchewan sees a particular benefit for drilling companies, camp logistics suppliers, air, road and plane support and geophysical surveys. Mining Association President Pam Schwann says the expanded Mineral Exploration Incentive Program positions Saskatchewan to be one of the leading Canadian mineral jurisdictions for additional investment. On the markets today, the TSX is down 21 points at 19,438. The Dow has fallen 17 points to 32,122. Oil has dropped 80 cents at 69.16 a barrel. The Canadian dollar is at 72.80 cents U.S. That's the resource report. If you missed any segment of the show, tune in to the on-demand Saskatchewan Agriculture Today podcast. Brought to you by Gowan Canada. Gowan Canada understands the challenges growers face and takes pride in finding effective crop protection solutions. Visit GowanCanada.com to learn more. That's Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. I'm Jim Smalley. Good afternoon and good farming. You've been listening to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with Jim Smalley on 620 CKRM. If you missed any of the broadcast, download the podcast now online at 620CKRM.com. Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. Follow in the 12 o'clock news on your voice for everything ag 620 ckrm this podcast brought to you by gowan canada makers of edge microactive pre-emergent herbicide